0: Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts.
1: I see trees of green,
0: red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. I think to
1: myself, what a wonderful world. It is a wonderful world. Don't you love that song? The anthem of, hey folks, we're doing okay. It's maybe overlooked in this America of living your dreams and you can have it all. Sometimes, maybe it's just me, but I often want to wake up from my dreams. I want to stop measuring myself against them. Just ditch the whole you-can-have-it-all construct altogether. Am I the only one? I would honestly like to get rid of the whole having-it-all label. I think, you know, I used it because that's what my generation was raised with. But this isn't about, you know, having everything. Well, Princeton University professor Anne-Marie Slaughter is in my camp, maybe. She said that on The Takeaway back in June. It's part of a deeper conversation about life, how we think of our dreams in the beginning as liberating... But then they end up enslaving us to expectations. Expectations of success, happiness, security, and having a normal life.
0: I think your life is as normal as you think it is.
1: Marie Young oak Lee speaking there. She's a novelist, teacher, and mother. She recently wrote a piece titled, What My Son's Disabilities Taught Me About Having It All. She wrote that for The Atlantic. And it got me thinking. If we embrace our real lives and let go of our dreams and expectations for a while... It's not giving up. Turns out it's a door into a richer experience. Take Marie Myung Oakley's life with her 12-year-old son Jason, who has profound autism spectrum problems of various kinds. He needs constant supervision, has uncontrollable temper tantrums, and acts out often in public. This is normal for Marie. And not only is that all right, she tells us, it's also beside the point in her own quest for peace and peace. And happiness. A
0: lot of people would say, like, I don't know how you bear it. And, you know, I'm always eager to please. And I would always sort of feel a little bit, gee, you know what? I should go kill myself. Because that was a little bit of the urge that I almost felt like that's what they were looking for. Really? Not in a way that they wanted me to kill myself. No, they want you to I
1: reassure w- them by saying, oh, yeah, I know. I feel like killing myself all the time. Thanks for noticing. Right. And, and that's. Yeah, exactly. Completely not your experience.
0: It is not. And at the same time. I don't want to feel some of the reactions I've gotten from my Atlantic piece is that wow, this lady seriously delusional. She doesn't, you know, her kid's going to get bigger, and she doesn't understand that at some point it is really going to be awful. And it is, you know, I hate to keep repeating sort of the Buddhist code, and it is what it is. And we've just, you know, when other people say I can't do what you do, I have kind of learned to say yes, you can't do what I do. You would do what you do.
1: And there's the B word that you're a practicing Buddhist. And, and and I think that that is one sort of doorway into why you have a great insight into what's going on with your experience. But in general, whether you're a Buddhist or not. In in actual practice, we as human beings don't really have a choice as to what life we're going to live. We're we're in our own lives, and we either have to accept that or spend a lot of time going, well, I really want to have that, or I want to have something else, or those people are doing better than me. And that's always miserable.
0: Exactly. I think a lot of it is expectations. Um, You feel like you do an action, you should get an expected reward. You know, and the idea of to me of having it all is less about having it all and feeling really fulfilled. I think what happens is you're in this kind of conundrum where having it all is, is sort of a, a gloss for a fear of missing out on something.
1: Do you think that your experience with your disabled son has given you a much more intense experience of motherhood, uh, an experience of motherhood that y- you might have missed had things worked out a different way?
0: You know, I actually don't really think of it that way. I think part of it is ever since I was young, I really didn't see myself having children. I just really wanted to be a writer. So once I had children, my child, it has just been what it is. And I know that just sounds, really, does she really think that way? But I guess I feel that, you know, comparing my experience with with others, it just isn't really practical.
1: And it's it's not really a priority. I mean, in my experience as someone who's spent, you know, more than thirty years in, in a wheelchair, at the end of the day, you really do have a feeling of this is my experience. This is what I'm going through. And and you see that maybe a little more clearly than whatever it is that they're seeing from the outside. Do you know what I mean?
0: Right. I'm wondering if you have felt too where when I was growing up I felt very much that life is all about the avoidance of catastrophe. So it's all about preparation. You know, study hard so I can get into college. I do this. You prepare, and then when this happened with Jason, you know, one parent did say, "You're living our worst nightmare," and you know that is your worst nightmare of your children being in pain and not being normal. But now, in in a strange way, the fact that the worst has already happened, it has made me feel okay. I've been there. We can deal with it. And so in a a strange way, I don't know if this relates to you at all, but I, I do so appreciate the finiteness of life, how things can change, and that what we have is now, nobody's guaranteeing us, I don't care how much money you have, how prepared you are, no one's guaranteeing you the next minute, so I'll take it. I'll take it in all its messiness, in its poop, in my son's smile, our friends. I'll just take it.
1: And those are insights and a sense of wisdom that comes naturally from every experience you have during the course of of a day and i think that that is a real challenge for people who live in the so-called normal to to find those experiences they're constantly saying my life doesn't have meaning i don't know what i'm doing i you know i i am am i living for the moment should i be doing something else there's a level of anxiety in this so-called normal world that i think it's easier to leave behind when you're faced with these kind of challenges.
0: Oh exactly. And one thing I worry about sometimes too is that, you know, America sort of founded on like the self-help pull yourself up by your bootstraps and it's there's always like a constant self-improving that you could do. You can always improve yourself. You can always improve your life. An example, I don't know, if you go to Brookstone, you can buy this gizmo and then when you have your next dinner party, it'll peel 36 garlic cloves for you. So when you have this dinner party, as opposed to focusing on, you know, I want to have friends over and feed them, it's all about if I have this garlic slicer, I'll have this dinner party and so you're always sort of feeling or I was joking about the athletic catalog because you're seeing that, you know, I didn't I didn't attend a board meeting and burp the baby and bring home the bacon and have this gorgeous body where I look great in these clothes. Even this woman is the model and it's probably been photoshopped. But, you know, by being so bombarded with these narratives every day, then you sort of end up internalizing them because nobody can live up to that.
1: You know, it's almost as though you can enhance your experience if that's what you want to do. But you have to look inward to do it, not over at what's going on at Bridgestone.
0: Exactly. And I think that's it's the inwardness. I think that we're losing because it's sort of instead of taking a moment to sit in your garden or do whatever you want to do, it's sort of like, oh, I could go on Twitter or there's something I could do. Or, you know, I almost feel sometimes it's sort of what can I worry about next? What's missing for me? What am I missing out on? And there is always an answer for that.
1: But you don't. Ask yourself those questions. I'm wondering if your son has any impression of these kinds of insights. Do you think about that at all?
0: Well, I kind of joke because he's not very verbal, and a lot of the things he says may just be complete sort of gibberish. But the two sort of phrases that he says a lot is when he seems to be happy, he'll go, Mommy keeps me safe. And that just makes me feel that he feels somewhat knowing that I'm really trying hard to be a good mommy to him. And the other thing I love is when he sees food, he'll see, I don't know, broccoli sprouts are green, but it's never, oh, they're gross or otherwise. Because I I do feel that just the way society works, we have to have a judgment with it. Is this good? Is this bad? You know, for a while I had a more corporate job and I was always running around. I was always... You know, I have to be there at two o'clock and if I'm there five minutes early, I'll fret because this is not an efficient use of my time. I got here too early. If I got here at two o' five, um, I got here too late and that is also bad. And if an Olympic sport was beating yourself up, um, I used to be, I probably (laughs) could have had a gold medal in that.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, there's just something so just reassuring about the clarity of what your son says. You know, don't worry about the judgment. Don't worry about the uh, more or less piece. Just... Be correct in the simplest way. Broccoli is green. Mommy keeps me safe. Don't need much more than that.
0: No, I don't need anything more than that. I definitely have enough, and I'm grateful I have more than enough.
1: Marie Miong-Auglee is a novelist, teacher at Columbia University, contributed to Slate, Salon, The New York Times, The Guardian, and The Atlantic, and keeps Jason safe. Do I have that right?
0: That's my job. Thanks so much. Have a great one. You can respond to that conversation at our website. In fact, we're we're wondering if the same kind of thing, something similar has happened to you in that. Something which could have been a real negative in your life turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Something which on the outside looks like a challenge, and on the inside turned out to be a life lesson. We want to hear about it at eight seven seven eight my take or post to thetakeaway.org. If you want to catch up on that conversation or anything else, get our podcast, re-listen on demand, and share segments with your friends. It's all at our website, thetakeaway.org. I'm Celeste Headley.
1: And I'm John Hockenberry. This is The Takeaway.